Hey, 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 you guys. We're so grateful to have John Davis with us back on Black Canvas. I had such an amazing time um, hosting and talking with him previously, and he's going to be back um, to share some things that I thought we really need to talk about, which is learning how to deal with things outside of our control. So I'm going to get John to properly introduce himself. If this is the first time you're hearing John Davis, um, I want you guys to learn more about him. So, John, if you can kind of tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, my name is John Davis. I'm a musician. I have been actively working full-time in music for the last three and a half, four years. I love music my whole life. I was in a totally non-entertainment, non-creative career until I was about 27. And I realized that that was not that was not the life that I needed to be living. And there was no passion and no inspiration. So I left. And ever since, it's been a bumpy but exciting and, and inspiring road to be on. And I love that, John. And one thing I loved about our interview before, we kind of touched on a lot of different topics, but primarily we talked about your music. But I thought today would be a really great opportunity to talk about change and about things that we can control. So I wanted to first ask you, what is your definition of the word change? Well, so it's kind of interesting because in its most sort of dry context, change is basically the act or instance of something being made different or uh, shifting, right? But I look at change as sort of this inevitable, unavoidable, and essential part of evolution. It's sort of the one constant more than anything else that we can rely on slash expect slash fear if you need to. Um, but it, it really is one of the most important parts of our growth as individuals, as a species, and as our world. I, I kind of look at change as the force of evolution. So even though I think as, as an artist and as a human, you know, we, we tend to want things to stay the same. We work really hard to create an environment that will stay the same. We really need change. Change is what allows us to realize our potential. So I look at change, even though I hate it. <laughs> I really am somebody who I like stability. I need <laughs> stability, but at the same time, if I look back at my life, the times that were most stable, I tended to be the change maker in my own life. I tended to do something erratic, like when I left my, you know, established career living in Manhattan after, you know, building that career and making it to living in, a, in an apartment in the West Village and all of these sort of things that I checked as tokens of stability and tokens of success. And when I realized it wasn't working, I ended up being the one to throw the bomb. And I found that that's been the case in most of the most stable times in my life. So I look at change as sort of this unavoidable force of um, evolution. And I, I love that definition of it, John, because I think that for many people who are used to being in certain careers, change can be one of the hardest things to do. And I know for me, just switching to a new job has been a, a huge shift in change in my life. But I think as long as you keep your values and morals intact with the changes you're making, um, you can definitely see a difference in, in the way you view life and, and those experiences. Shame and guilt. Can you Absolutely. tell me about shame and guilt um, and how it's changed um, your perspective on life? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think shame, shame and guilt and change actually have a weird sort of uh, correlation. They might be cousins. Um, shame and guilt, I think it's an interesting force, right? I think there was a time in our history where it served a much more valuable purpose. And I think 
in that time, and I, I'm not speaking about our more modern American history, I'm talking about our, our species history, in a time where we had sort of communal support, um, shame and guilt could be a really powerful bringer of change. You know, they were not suppressive forces, they were inspiring forces. If you had uh, cause for guilt and shame in your life, you also had an opportunity to make change in your life. I think in the modern world, guilt and shame are more devices of manipulation and oppression. I think that, you know, over the course of our history, as religion has, you know, started to implement these tools, as large businesses have implemented these tools, as figures of authority have implemented the tools of guilt and shame, they've really been utilized more to suppress people. And what they do is they act in one of two ways. They either create paralysis or they create reaction formation and you kind of go the other way. So you lean into your guilt and shame and do more of the things that are making you feel guilt and shame to kind of try to just punch through them. Uh, and in my life, you know, I have found that it's one of the most difficult things to overcome, but it's one of the most important things to overcome because guilt and shame really articulate what parameters you need to live your life within. And they really inhibit you for the most part from being able to be present in life and to listen to the inner voice that's kind of telling you what you, what you need to be doing. We have so many different structures that we have put in to try to guide people um, or at least initially to try to guide people. Now I'd say they're really trying to kind of keep you in a safe lane. And every time you start to, to divert or follow a path that leads you out of that, you are walking into a realm that's going to be full of guilt and shame. And I think it's one of the first things you have to accept and then overcome. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of placement for it. I don't think that guilt and shame serves as much of a purpose as we think it does, because I don't think that we're equipped to be able to utilize it to make change. And I also think the things that we tend to feel guilt and shame about are not things that we should be feeling guilt and shame about. That's true. That's a really great point. And I think when we think of shame, there's um, one way and two way shaming where there's times where we shame ourselves and it goes back to the internal dialogue that we have with ourselves. And I always like to say, it's like taming that inner gremlin within ourselves. Like how do we tame those negative thoughts when or cognitive distortions that we have but a lot of the times we have two-way shaming as you mentioned which can be very similar to like in relationships it can be interpersonal relationships we have it can be even on a job where someone can shame you and say you're not doing an amazing job and then you almost second guess yourself on am I actually worthy of this position and as a musician I know that has to be a major struggle of you know when I know I'm producing something I thought it's great work and maybe I don't get the feedback or constructive feedback that I'm expecting. It can definitely play a, almost a trip on your mind of like, what am I actually doing? What is my purpose in my career? Have you experienced anything similar to that? Absolutely. Well, I, okay. This is what I think is fascinating about any form of art. Art relies on honesty. And ironically enough, in modern day society, honesty is one of the things that we're taught to be shameful about most. So as an artist, one of the most difficult things that I found was to be honest in my writing. In the beginning, you know, you are sitting here expressing some of these really raw things. And it's not always really raw, right? Sometimes it's fun and bubblegum, but sometimes it's heavy. And sometimes you're taking something heavy and making it into bubblegum. 
but the honesty of it can make you feel really, really shameful. Uh, and, and the vulnerability of it can make you feel really shameful. You know, our, I think our culture revolves around these ideas of being and presenting yourself as completely together and that you have no, you know, real vulnerability, that you are a, a force, you know, a totally sturdy, unmovable mountain. And there's a lot of shame associated with being vulnerable, but there's so much power in it. And as an artist, you know, that's one of the big things I had to overcome was learning how to not change my words so that they fit more in a box that I thought was appropriate and just start telling the truth. And that was tough, but it also was one of the most liberating and empowering things that I, I came into in my, in my journey. And I think like being in a box, kind of like what you're saying, John, there's so many artists or people in specific careers that feel they're stuck in that box and that if they unlock their true potential and actually have to deal with a lot of the scrutiny that can happen from being yourself, um, it can be really demoralizing for some individuals. They don't know how to feel because they're so used to uh, what society standards are. And I think, John, you made a really great point of, you know, not only just being yourself, yeah. but being vulnerable and allowing yourself to, to be outside of that box of vulnerability. Um, there's an art to it when you start learning how to be vulnerable. And as a musician, you have to go to that vulnerable place when you're recording because that's where the true essence of your your beauty of your voice and and what you're trying to convey to your audience, that's where they can really connect with you. Um, yeah. Well, the other cool thing, though, for for, you know, anybody who is struggling with that is, you know, you have a blessing in trying to achieve that vulnerability right now, because if you look at what is happening in the world, you see that for the most part, people are exhausted of lying. People are exhausted of seeing other people lie. And the amount of support, not only because of the uh, ability to kind of connect with each other, but because of where we are culturally in this sort of shifting point as we really start to evolve as a species, if you want to put yourself out there, it's crazy how much support you will find. I, I was blown away. I was blown away because it would not have been that way 10 years ago. And when I go out there and I speak things that are really, really vulnerable to me and really difficult, I am always shocked at how many people show up to say, hey, this, this was amazing. This helped me. This made me want to speak my truth, too. And I think it's a really important thing to remember that if you are brave enough to take that step, you'll have an army of support from people you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes into your army that you have, your family and your friends, um, your partner. And can we talk about that, if you don't mind sharing, like, how has your support system helped you in your career? Um, well, so my family, my I have a sister, I've got my partner, I've got some very close friends, very small group of people. Um, but they've always been able to be present. And I think that's what's essential. I think when you're dealing with a support system of loved ones, you actually kind of have to train them because they love you so much that they're going to support you however they understand. But it's a two-way street. And what I found was in being able to communicate what I needed most, which was just consistency. I needed to know that if I fell down, they would be there. I needed to know if I wrote something totally stupid in a song, they wouldn't judge me for it. You know, you hear these stories about artists who 
have their sort of, you know, they have a mess up on stage or, I mean, I think the Madonna one is a really good example of where she, uh, I think it's the Like a Virgin song where she accidentally had a little uh, wardrobe faux pas and her manager told her, you're done. Your career is going to be over after this. And she kind of did her best with what she you know, had this sort of incident that happened on stage and it actually ended up being one of the big defining factors in her career. So the, the moral of the story is you actually don't know how things are going to happen in the course of your journey, but what you need around you are people that are going to be constant, sturdy, um, honest, but supportive and not people that are going to push you to second guess what you're doing all the time, because you're going to be doing that yourself already. Um, you need people to inspire you. And for me, my family and my, my partner and my friends are the ones who have always been able to say, even if I made a mistake or if I didn't make a mistake or if I was afraid I was going to make a mistake, they were able to say, you need to put it out there. You need to keep going. Um, because it's, it's a difficult road to be able to always be your own cheerleader. And no matter what, this very silly idea that we have in America of self-made doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's never existed. There's no such thing as a self-made person. They may not have had a blood family that supported them, but they went out in the world and found a different family to support them. We all need a support system. It is not possible to realize our mm-hmm. most potential without people around us who are committed not only to helping, but that we can be a part of their journey and them realizing their fullest potential. I love that, John. I think that goes back to like a chosen family. Like you can choose those people that not only you connect with, but even the ones that you may have the biggest differences with, you can learn so much from that experience of um, dealing with ridicule and dealing with um, maybe someone's self-doubt within themselves can teach you a lot about where you were in the past or where you currently are in your present. And so it kind of goes into how do we deal with our setbacks in our life? And do you appreciate some of the setbacks you've had in your past? No. <laughs> You're like, why would you hate that? No. <laughs> no, I hated all of them. I should have had all the Grammys by now. <laughs> no, look, I mean, setbacks suck. I'm not going to mince my words about that, uh, but they're so essential. They are probably the most painful part about this because I think from the outside, nobody gets an honest view of what a journey from you know, rags to riches or from zero to a hundred or zero to hero, whatever you want to call it. Nobody gets an honest portrayal. Our, our, the way that we put our stories out into the world tend to be so overly polished that when we are doing our own ascent, we're comparing to a very fictitious image of what it looks like for the people that are already at the place that we're trying to get to. So we, we believe, Oh, you know, I, pink or whoever just put out the song and she just blew up or Billie Eilish just blew up. And we don't see the backstory. We don't see their setbacks, their heartbreaks, um, their challenges. So for me, even though I hate setbacks and I, I go through them all the time and it's, it's a standard, it's a constant in this industry. There are technical setbacks, there are logistical setbacks. Um, you're dealing with a lot of moving pieces they're, they're essential. They help you make breakthroughs in your artistry. And every setback I've ever had, I've had a heartbreak afterwards. I've had to sit down with it. I've had to walk away. And then when I finally find the strength to go back, what I'm doing is so much better than what I was doing before. And 
I found that you've got to learn to be at peace with that. And I, I say that sort of like as a generic Hallmark card, but because I know it's not as easy to do it as it is to say it. And that sort of ties into your support system. You know, my partner's always been really amazing at pushing me to continue because every setback you want to quit. Um, the further you get into this, it, it feels like, why is this not broken? Why is this not exploded? Why am I not further yet? And should I just quit? And the setbacks, they give you the strength to push forward and do something more intense and more unique and more yourself. And they take you to deeper levels of self-understanding, which is essential to put into your work because that's what people need to hear. And it kind of goes even further. You made a really good point about that, of having that support and someone believing in you. Even sometimes you, you know that you have the talent and you should be go and you may be like we use the should statements i should have or ought to have been at this place in my career but i always the adage and that i believe in it helps me it's like i'm where i need to be at this moment and i know like losing everything yeah. due to due to a natural disaster really changed my life and i lost it twice and it made me look at life from a different perspective one thing i always tell people is that i'm not a victim i'm a survivor and i think when you survive traumas um, mm -hmm. at any age, it definitely can propel you to another level where you can learn to take risk. And it can be healthy risk, but you can actually sit in that fullness of knowing that I did the best that I could today. I showed up today where, you know, there's times where we don't want to show. We just want to stay yeah. in bed. I don't even want to talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> don't please don't ever call me with this because I have enough on my plate. But it goes back to we can refill our cup. We can actually open our hearts to people and places and things that maybe we never knew existed or that we were capable of actually managing a crisis when it happened. Um, and that's one thing I love about like not only you as a person in your career, but what you stand for. And I know you probably heard that phrase before, you know, about if you you'll fall for anything, if you don't stand up for yourself. And I think like your music it stands yeah. up for itself and yeah. you just aren't at that level that you may have thought you should have been at. But I'm telling you, the one thing you have is a lot in, in your voice and your intonation and how you share things. People are going to fully connect with you, John. And I, I just want to encourage you myself because in the, and in my talks with you, I have learned so much oh, about thank you. my own life and about things that I can still work on. So if you can inspire me, and just knowing me in a short period of time, you can definitely continue to use that to inspire <laughs> the world for sure. Oh, thank you. Well, one thing I want to say, and thank you for saying that, but you said something that really hit and it, it hit because it's one of my mantras. I, first off, if you are somebody that pours over the 30 under 30, throw it away. It will poison you. It poisoned me. This idea that you should be, you know, Steve Jobs before the age of 30 is a silly, silly concept. It'll poison your spirit. And then the second thing is the idea that you should be thriving. One of the mantras that I always have is sometimes surviving is thriving. And that was a really hard thing for me to grasp because I said, I used to always say to myself, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. And it took me a while to realize sometimes surviving is thriving. And especially in today's world with this pandemic and with the financial inequity and all of this sort of stuff that we're trying to turn over and grow past as a species, some days surviving 
is thriving. And if you can really take that to heart, you will find the strength to keep going. You know, life is not linear. It's, it, it, it's, a, it's an expansion and a contraction. I always think of it like these sort of themes that we see carried out, like the waves that come up the beach and then they come out. The heart expands and contracts. The lungs expand and contract. It's this idea that there are periods of your life where you're expanding and growing and putting it all out there. And then there's times where you're sort of going back inward and life hits you with some, some limiting factors or some things that are out of your control. I mean, part of what led me into this you know, passion in the first place was that I had this really traumatic uh, medical emergency. I had a MRSA. And I had all of this stuff happen that I never anticipated. I was healthy as could be. And, you know, I was 26. So I thought I was invincible. And life threw me this total curveball. And, you know, those things are going to happen. And you don't have control over those. But when you can really appreciate the fact that some days just getting up and going through the day is a win, then you stop putting so much pressure on yourself to be perfect every day. Because nobody is perfect. And I agree with that. I mean, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, especially at a young age. It just changes you when you go through any type of unexpected um, event. It can definitely change your perspective on life, but it can also um, work in a positive light of just reversing those negative beliefs to say, you know, I made it through this and I can persevere through a lot of challenges when they actually um, surface. And I love that you were able to find your purpose and you're still finding redefining your purpose um, each and every day. And it kind of goes back to something that I had an old supervisor tell me, and they told me to trust you, the timing and to grow through what you go through. And mm-hmm. I never thought of it until now, like growing mm-hmm. through what you go through and it helps you to nourish and to flourish because then you're actually a, able to awaken within you something that you didn't know existed, but just like a seed, when it grows, it doesn't make any noise. But when you start to see the end results of what that seed, when you cultivate it right. and you planted it and you feed it, um, it, it awakens something within you just to see that growth. And I think it was Angie Cross, I think Crosby, I think it's her name. Um, there was a quote that she said, and she said, to believe in your fall, it's paving a way for your climb. And, and that was something that stood out to me. I believe it was Angie Crosby. I want to make sure I have the name mm-hmm. correct. Um, but believing your fall is paving a way for your climb. And that just shows us, I love the song by Molly Cyrus, The Climb, because if, if people actually read the lyrics to that and do like a lyric yeah. analysis, you will be able to see so much of ourselves in that. And and knowing that we're going to falter, we're going to have mistakes, but growing and paving new paths for ourselves and knowing that our road is centered for ourselves and that we don't have to do someone else's way of thinking or have to go down that road because many times when we when we start being envious or or being concerned about others and how they see life we kind of lose track of where we need to go within our own lives um so i wanted to kind of leave you with something john these were four mantras and these are four positive mantras that i tell myself each day and it helps me to kind of get through negative feelings um do you mind if i share them with you please okay So the first one, um, and for listeners, if you guys want to write these down, these are some that I think have been really helpful for me. Um, The first one I tell myself is, I love 
and respect myself, I release negative self-talk. The second one is I am enough and I don't have to justify anything to anyone. The third is I treasure my imperfections and I acknowledge my self-worth. And the fourth one is I deserve good things and I deserve to be happy. And so those are the four that I recite for myself. Um, And it helps me because when I'm having a rough day, I need to go back and say, you know what? I am enough, you know, and, and I do love and respect myself and I do deserve to have great things. I can treasure those imperfections because when I can see that I can be perfectly imperfect and that's okay. um, For me, that helps give me a certain level of peace that I didn't even know I had. And so I wanted to share that with you. I thought that might be something great yeah. for you if you ever wanted to implement any of those in your life, but it helps me a lot. Absolutely. I think you have to find stillness and you have to find space that you can affirm yourself and your goals. And I think finding that space in the most key times of the day, which I think are right when you wake up and right before you go to bed, that's when you start to be able to let your voice become louder than the external voices. And I think that we have, um, we live in a world that will give us a lot of negative affirmations and you have to learn how to let your voice cut through the noise. You know, for me, that was a really important thing. I realized that there's so much um, push in our world, especially because of money. There's so much you need to be further. You're not, working hard enough. You're not doing enough. Um, you're not a great partner. You're not this, you're not that. There's so much you're not, and they're very subtle and they're pervasive. And if you actually stop, you'll realize that they're kind of everywhere. So you really have to find and carve out space to create a ritual for yourself that you are reaffirming your value, your worth, because that's the only way you can put good into the world. Um, you, you can't, if you're under the thumb of negative thinking and negative conditioning, you have to reprogram, recondition yourself to believe in yourself. And, you know, the whole idea of support once again comes up there because sometimes you just need a good support system around you to push you, to help you remember, hey, I, I'm, I'm worthy, right? I'm worthy of happiness, that's the big one. I'm, I, I have every right to be happy. That's important. And if you can't acknowledge that, then you can't move forward in your life. You'll just spin. So I, I love those affirmations. I usually start my day with a little meditation and then I'll end my day either reading some sort of book. I always read before I go to bed. I, I like kind of the way that it settles my mind. I like reading, uh, books that kind of have the hero's journey involved in them. Somebody who has to descend into hell and overcome the goblins and the dragons and then rise back with the blessing of the God or the goddess or, you know, whatever. And they really just remind me that these are archetypal stories that really depict what the journey is. And the reason we can connect to them is because we understand on a fundamental level that there's a truth in that. And when we recognize that, we realize every person that we look at that inspires us, every person that we look at that's sitting at the place that we want to be in our lives has done that journey. 
Nobody can sit on top of the mountain if they haven't descended into hell and faced their own dragons. And when you realize that, you stop paying attention to the silly sort of polished version and you realize that I don't know what, you know, Beyonce's story is. I don't know what Pink's story is. I don't know what Sam Smith's story is. But I know that they went to hell and they came out alive and they survived it and they were empowered by that journey. And I know that I am not on the wrong road now. I know that I am courageous. I know that I am brave because I'm willing to do the work to discover myself, to overcome my demons, and to put something of value into the world. Wow. I'm telling you, John, you have awakened in me something today that I need to really do a lot of soul searching, just hearing what you just shared. I think like that helps me to remember my own purpose, but also to be aware that we as humans, we sometimes lose sight of just the human nature of, of connecting or interconnectedness, which is something that we need to all work on and being able to be attuned with the emotions that we have and how we actually share or convey those emotions with others. I, I'm just, I'm just so excited once again to yeah. be able to be in your presence and to talk with you because I think you are not only very insightful, but you give people hope and listening to your voice and how you share your love for others and for yourself. It really helps us to, to learn a lot about life. And we are so grateful to have you back. Oh, thank you. It gives, it gives me hope. And it's, I mean, you're calling me on a good day. <laughs> believe me when I say I've got, I mean, it's easy to sit here and sound like, I know the secrets of life, but the truth is, I mean, some days you're crying, some days you're on top and that's just reality. That's just life. And that's okay. <laughs> and that's totally okay. That's true. And I, I think that goes back to who you are as a person, I think makes the biggest difference and how you show up today Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And so we're grateful to have you here. Well, thank you for having me back. I really am I'm grateful that you care enough about what I'm saying <laughs> to have me come back and, and talk at you for, for a period of time. Well, I definitely, John, like I said, you know, you and I are friends and I'm here to support you in your career. Whatever you choose to do, music included, we want to, to follow that journey. And I think that that is what makes you special. I'm not afraid.